Would you like to just join with me and pray for Suzanne? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we share together. Thank you for Suzanne. Thank you for the, the many mighty miracles, all that you've accomplished in her and through her over many years. Thank you for her faithfulness in seeking you and serving you. And thank you for the word, Lord, that you have on her heart for us this morning. May we receive readily all that you have for each one of us and for us as a church this day. Pray your blessing upon Suzanne. May your word be proclaimed with boldness but with joy. For the glory of your name, King Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just wonderful to be here again. And I just want to thank you so much. This church is our main supporter worldwide. And I want to tell you that this year, this church has been part of an orphanage ministry in Sierra Leone where we sank a well for the first time ever. When I heard that these 97 orphans, well, when I saw where they were sleeping, I was horrified. They were sleeping on the floor, mud floor, of a falling down mud hut. 27 children packed into one tiny little mud hut. And the others had to sleep where they could. And they had 15 acres to plant vegetables, which was good. The only thing is they had to travel very far to get water with buckets. And when the river dried out in the dry season, the crops died. So they often lost their crops. I thought, these people need a well. And so you, the money that you give was used to put in the first well they've ever had, which is serving not only the 97 children, but the 300 residents of three villages. They had such rejoicing. Now, one of these Muslims were, it was a Muslim village. When the chief came and saw that the Christian God does something, he and his whole village have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. We then fostered the 97 orphans into the new Christian families amongst the three villages, so there are no longer any orphans. And also gave them their most needed wish to build them a school, a Christian school. It is halfway up already. It is built of proper bricks. The Muslim chief lent us the brick-making machine and all the dads all congregated to make bricks and dig the foundations for the new school. It'll be one large classroom and two smaller classrooms. The large classroom will be a church every Sunday for the three villages, probably two to three services a day to fit them all in. It will be a Bible school, one of our Bible schools of evangelism on Saturdays. 
the entire three villages will be discipled through our Bible School of Evangelism. And it'll be a school for the children Mondays to Fridays. The children are taught organic gardening. They will now be able to water the crops from the well. And they'll be taught how to grow their own vegetables as part of the school program. And the food will be used in the school for their lunchtime meals for the orphans and their host families. So this will be up and ready sometime in the next three to four, maybe five months, till they actually will have their first school. So thank you so much. You're also supporting a new work in Thailand. We are starting new Bible schools amongst the Thai people, the Karen people, and the Burmese people. This is run by a man called Nicholas Benstead, who is a missionary from, he did his training in Cambridge. Very, he's got his master's in theology. He can speak the languages fluently, and he is running our Bible School of Evangelism in Thailand. So thank you so very much for your support. You're, it's going far. It's changing lives. So today I want to speak about living from God's love. And I want to go to Mark chapter 12, verse 30, which is the main verse of this morning. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And it means exactly that. Now ask the Lord to explain in more depth those four things, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. I mean, up to now, up to this point, I've loved God more with my emotions. But love is more than just loving him with your emotions. It's a lot more than that. And this brings the breakthrough in all he can do in and through your rooting is rooted in your love for him and his love for you. And this comes actually out of you yielding to him. Love is trusting. Love is yielding. Until God comes first in everything you do and it transforms forms everything that you do for God through his enablement, through his provision, and through his victory. We were singing this morning, the victory. This is a victory through loving him. 
So let's start with loving him with all your heart. Your heart's in your body. I mean, there are three kingdoms, and there's also three parts of our being. Your heart is in your body. Loving him with all your heart is almost as in the outer court. I spoke about that last year. The outer court, sin in the flesh. Loving him with your, your heart. If you really love God and love your neighbor and love yourself, you will automatically keep all the commandments. You will live in righteousness. You will turn from sin. You will hate to hurt God or hurt your neighbor or hurt yourself. Hating God or hating your neighbor or hating yourself is the foundation of sin. Love is a foundation of truth and righteousness. So loving God with all your heart is loving God in this physical world. Making sure we have no sin, which is hate, in our lives in every, any area. Radically turning from every sin, even the smallest bad habit. We can't afford it in our lives because sin is from the kingdom of darkness. Sin is bondage. Righteousness is freedom. Sickness is bondage. Health is freedom. Death is bondage. Life is freedom. There are three kingdoms. The kingdom of God ruled by God and his angels. The kingdom that always was. Then there's the kingdom of darkness. Run by Lucifer who was thrown out of heaven for his sin and his demons. And there's the kingdom of this world where we walk right now. To live on the kingdom of this world, you have to be born into it. And you leave this kingdom of this world through death, where we enter either the kingdom of heaven for all eternity, by our choice in receiving Christ who's made the way, or the kingdom of darkness, which I wouldn't wish my worst enemy. So loving the Lord with all your heart. Then all your soul. Your soul is your will, your mind and intellect, and your emotions. They're inside you. That is in the middle room, the golden room of the tabernacle. And it's loving God through yielding our will to him. 
trusting him. That means sacrificing what we want to do to ask God what he wants us to do. Now, Jesus only did the Father's will. I've written a book out there, only doing the Father's will. I asked the Lord to teach me more about prayer, and he said, go to the book of John and highlight every time I say I only do the Father's will. I did that, highlighted them. I said, Lord, I found 12. He says, read them again in context with what I was saying or teaching at the time. So I went back to John and read each one in context with the word. I came back to the Lord and said, Lord, it appears that every time you said I only do the Father's will, that it actually affected every area of your life and ministry. The Lord says, that is correct. Now you do the same. It transformed our ministry. And I realized that as I yielded to do God's will, which wasn't easy at first, let's be honest, it enabled God to do far more than I could ever think or imagine through Step Out in Faith. I mean, right now, we are doing telephonic evangelism. I do telephonic crusades all the time in Africa. People are here just as quick and easy over the phone as if I'm there. I don't have to go over there and get sick and come back every time sick. I could do it easy from our home through a phone. And the radio ministry. We are reaching 4 million per country roughly every Sunday. We teach our Bible school over radio. We are experiencing a radio revival in Sierra Leone through the radio. People are healed in their huts listening to the radio. They're phoning and say, they give testimony. And when they give testimony over radio, that builds the faith up even more. It's exciting doing it God's way. Now, I would never have thought of doing such a thing without having come and said, Lord, how do you want me to evangelize? He gives me such simple, easy ways of doing it, using modern technology. The Lord is a master of technology. I mean, what computer can connect us with the living God of the universe? But we could do that with our minds. Our minds are far greater than any computer. I mean, the computer could give you all the knowledge of the world, but in prayer, God gives you all the knowledge of the universe as well. I write my books from his presence. I can't write. No way. But when God writes with me, what I learn is amazing. So yield to him your will, your mind and intellect. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than ours. We've got to trust him totally. 
because then we start to think more like Jesus. Don't you want to think like Jesus? Think from the heavenly realm rather than thinking from the limited worldly realm. Gosh, we live in a limited world here. But when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we were born again to the kingdom of heaven. And heaven is at a higher plane than this world. If you live from the kingdom of heaven, you'll be living more like Jesus. Jesus could walk on water, calm the storms, heal over distance, which I see daily. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. Raise the dead. How could he do this? And then he rose from the dead himself on the third day, conquering sin, sickness, and death. No other human being has ever done that. Only Jesus has conquered sin, sickness, and death. No other. Jesus lived from the heavenly realm. He brought the kingdom of heaven on earth. John was the first to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand in preparation for Jesus. Then Jesus went all about Galilee teaching on the kingdom of heaven. Then he sent out his 12 disciples saying, preach the kingdom of heaven. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Then he sent out his 70 to do the same. And now he sends us. We've got to live in the kingdom of heaven. The thing is, we're born in this earth. We grow up in the limitations of physical matter, the laws of nature, and we think that's all there is. We become Christians and we carry on living at the limited worldly realm instead of rising up with Jesus above it. And when we yield our minds to Jesus... He gives us incredible wisdom and amazing ways of doing things, and he's extremely good at time management. Give him every day. He'll show you how to get through your day and you'll achieve so much. Simple. He's interested in your everyday life. Love him with all your emotions. Don't worry about how I feel. Think how Jesus feels. That gives victory of when you're not feeling well. I often have to preach when I'm not feeling well or if I'm tired. I mean, I can't allow stuff like that to get in the way, can I? I can't entertain that luxury, horrible luxury. You do what Jesus wants. Don't care how you feel. Love him in the... Difficulties you go through. I had to handle affliction last year for the first time. Ten months of it. And I was up and down in this affliction because I'd never handled affliction before. Then I went to the Word of God. The Lord, the Word taught me how to handle affliction. And for the first time, I could understand how the disciples could praise and glorify Jesus while chained in prison. What happened? The chains fell off. Jesus has the victory. I could never understand that, that part of the Bible. This year I began to get a glimpse. Stephen being stoned to death. Praising God for being stoned to death. That's a painful death. Loving him, giving, having victory through every part of your area of your life. 
loving him with all yourself, yielding, yielding, yielding in love. And then, loving him with all your strength in the spiritual realm, in the holy of holies. It takes loving him with all your strength sometimes. It's not easy even to find time for prayer in this rushed life of ours. But we've got to live in him. Everything is in him. And when we can love him with all our hearts, we will spend the right amount of time, hopefully, loving him in the spirit realm. You can never out-love God. When you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, that is loving God with all your being. You can never out-love God. When you love God at this level, there's an enormous and glorious breakthrough where he takes your weaknesses and replaces them with his strengths. Where he not only teaches us how to live from his love, and I'm still learning, I've got so much to learn. I'm only in the beginning, beginning part of it. When we learn to live from God's love, we are not only blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but we learn how to live from the heavenly realm as well. I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures. John 17, 16 to 21 where he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So if we, as Christians, we are no longer part of this world, we, we're living from the kingdom of heaven, right? Seven, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. And for these their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also who shall believe on me through their word, that is you right here. That they may be one as thou, Father, are in me, and I in thee, that they also might be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The world will only know that God sent Jesus that is only through your lives. And the other scripture, 
sorry. <laughs> it's taken from John 14. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And we love God. He lives in us. And then let's read, Verses 12 to 17. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he who believes on me, the works that I do, shall he also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. That's how we should be living. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it, if you love me and keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And this is the Holy Spirit. And we're all baptized with the Holy Spirit, I believe. Now, I would like to give you a couple of testimonies of this working in my own life, just to encourage. The one is taken from Mark 4, 37 to 41. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the boat that it was now full. And he was at the back part of the ship asleep on the pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, I asked the Lord two questions. One was, how could the Lord be asleep in such a devastating storm? And two, why did he rebuke the disciples? And the Lord answered both. Jesus was asleep on the pillow at the back part of the boat because Jesus was not afraid of the storm. Because he lived above the storm. Jesus' relationship with the Father was so glorious, so wonderful, so close, so intimate, that what was inside Jesus was more powerful than the storm. Therefore, he stood up and rebuked the storm and said to the sea, peace be calm. And there was a great calm. And why did Jesus rebuke the disciples? 
Well, they had been traveling with Jesus for some time already. They had seen the miracles. They had seen the healings. Maybe Jesus thought that they would stand up next to him and rebuke the wind and the waves with him. But instead, the disciples at that stage of their walk were still living on the worldly realm. Just like many of us. They saw how dangerous the situation was. How big those waves were. How hard the wind was blowing. How full of water the ship was. Instead of rising up in Jesus above the danger. Above the storm. We all have to face storms in life. Are we like the disciples were then, still living on the worldly realm? Seeing how big the problem is how difficult the situation is? Or are we rising up in Christ above the storms of our lives and taking authority over them in the name of Jesus? Well, when the Lord teaches us something new, he often puts us to the test. I'm flying over to India for our first mass crusade. It's cost a lot of money. We've raised it by faith. We've hired enormous fields for this crusade. And I landed at Hyderabad and on the screen is Cyclone Kwamat is raging through Andhra Pradesh, leaving devastating damage in its wake. Well, what do you do? Get on the plane, fly down to Andhra Pradesh, picked up, take it to our place, we have supper, we go to bed. In the small hours of the morning, the cyclone reaches the town. Well, I have never been in a cyclone before. I mean, it's not just one clap of thunder at a time. It is five. The lightning's in every direction. The rain is bouncing off the roofs and flooding down the streets. Lord God, please, Lord, stop this, Chris. Please, Lord, stop the storm. Please, Lord, only you can stop the storm. Please, Lord, do something. We can't hold a crusade. In a flood, it's an outside crusade. Please, Lord, do something. And the Lord said, take authority. I said, Lord, it's a cyclone. <laughs> he said, take authority. Right, right. I stood up. I pointed straight into the eye of that storm, wherever it was. I think it was just there. I command you, quiet mutt, in the name of Jesus, you stop in your tracks right now. I speak to you, cyclone quiet mutt, you do an L-shaped turn and go out to sea in Jesus' name. And I speak to you, spirits underneath that cyclone, I bind you down in the name of Jesus. I began to pray differently. 
taking command. And then the Lord said, the storm will be gone by six o'clock. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus, and I fell asleep. And I overslept. I woke up at 8 a.m. to a beautiful sunny day like this. I rest my clothes on. I ran downstairs. When did the cycling go? Six o'clock. Just double check. When did the cyclone go? Six o'clock. That cyclone had done an L-shaped turn and gone out to sea. Well, the pastors were giving us testimony at the crusade that evening, which we were able to run, and many, many people came. And the whole lot is shown on TV. Well, this really drew the crowds. They all wanted to know this God, this Christian God that can cause a cyclone to do an L-shaped turn. After all, cyclones don't do L-shaped turns. They go straight. And Bimavaran, all their crops, all their rice crops were saved because this cyclone had turned and gone out to sea. The second night went on TV, and the third night, there was so, such a big traffic jam, you couldn't get to the crusade, and I'm running half an hour late. Everything with wheels and legs were going to that crusade. Bicycles, motorbikes, lorries, tractors, cow, cows pulling wagons, horse carts, bicycles, people on with rickshaws, all sorts of ways. I had to make another way for me to get up to the platform. I tell you, I looked around, there was a sea of faces from there right round. I said, oh Lord, this is a Rhinite monkey-sized crusade. They said there were 160,000. I have no idea how many thousands, but it was well over 100,000. I said, Lord, I've never preached to so many people. And the Lord said, don't worry. I'm with you. I found his countenance around me. I preached the most glorious message I've ever preached in my entire life. It was glorious, that crusade. The healings, the miracles, the excitement amongst the people, the response to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. As a sea of hands go up to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I lead them through the sinner's prayer. We go home, we're just so full of joy, we can hardly sleep that night. On Monday, we're having breakfast, there's a phone call. Will you please come and empty your mailbox? It's taking up half the mail room. <laughs> they went to collect the mail, the little yellow decision cards. 92,224 decision cards that had received Jesus as Lord and Saviour needed to be baptised and brought into a church. It took the pastors three months to go through all those papers and to visit all these new people to get them into the churches existing and they had to open up Another 160 churches from one three-day crusade. That is God. Taking authority in the heavenly realm over the powers of nature. 
Jesus is doing it. And I mean, that's quite a common testimony because many evangelists have had God turn back storms. I'm not the only one. But it's exciting to be amongst them. (laughs) But the second testimony happened at home, at our ranch in Stand Lake, a Christian centre and ranch in England. I have a nice horse called George. He's a naughty horse. You could go by the name. I've had him since a four-year-old. I bought him in 1996 as a four-year-old, unbroken, trained him. He's been probably my best school horse. He's still working in the riding school. Anyway, some years ago while I was in Africa, a very unreasonable lady stole George. Now, she was rough and tough and defied the law and defied rules and defied anything. Oh, she was tough, big and tough, complete with tattoos. (laughs) She smoked and drank. She swore. Oh, crumbs, I was scared of her. She thought she was in her right to steal George, complete with saddle and bridle, because her daughter was going blind. And her daughter liked George. Well, the Ridey School were very, very, very upset with George having been stolen. And they expected me to go straight to the police to get her arrested and put her in jail. But somehow I felt a check about doing that. And I said to the Lord, Lord, uh, they've stolen George. How do you want me to go about getting George home again? And he gave me the most difficult verse in the whole Bible. If they take your cloak, give him your shirt as well. I said, Lord, how is that going to get George home? And he said the second most difficult thing, wait. (laughs) And the Lord had me wait for two whole months where I did absolutely nothing. And the riding school thought I had totally lost it and needed a mental asylum. To stand up against that lot. After all, was I going to obey God or them? Two months go by. Early one morning, the Lord says, Today, you put 200 pounds in 10 pound notes in a white envelope. Get into your horse lorry. George will be released today. At last, I could do something. I gladly obey, get in my horse lorry drive over to where I know the horse is, and by faith, I put the ramp down ready. I then go to find my horse. And there this lady is sitting on a straw bale, watching her daughter trot George in circles. So I walk up to this lady, sit next to her, and I say to her, I know that inside that you are really a good lady 
and you're going to do the right thing today and release George for me to take him home, so I'm giving you this gift of money. I hand her the white envelope, and she counts it very, very slowly. She then looks up to me and she says, I will do the right thing. You can take George now. She calls her daughter, tells her to dismount and hand me the reins because I've come to collect George. I take George and George nearly pulls me up into the horse box where I tie him up, put the ramp up, and without another word, get in the cab and drive home praising God. I got George home. For only 200 pounds, it would have cost me a lot more through, to, through the law. I thought that was the end of it. The next morning, there's a phone call. It was this lady. She says, I hope you don't mind me phoning you, but I haven't slept a wink the whole night. First, I stole George from you, and for two months you do absolutely nothing. And then you give me a gift of money. Why did you treat me in this way? I said, because God loves you. And she said, how can God love me? I'm the worst person I know. I've hurt so many people. So God loves you so much that he's taken your sin, your hurt, your problems, your struggles. And he died on the cross in your place that you could be forgiven. She bursts into tears and she says, I will never hurt another person as long as I live. How do I become a Christian? And I led her through the sinner's prayer. And this lady's life was wonderfully and gloriously, radically changed. This really rough person is a beautiful Christian today. Only God can do that. And I said, Lord, this is amazing. And the Lord said, yes. That's a heavenly way of treating a person. The worldly way would have put her in prison, but she would have come out just as hard, just as unchanged, just as tough as when she went in. But you listened to me and treated her from the heavenly realm which has changed her life for all eternity. So these are a couple of lessons that the Lord's taught me on how to live from the heavenly realm. Learning it totally by accident, because I didn't know what I was doing, but God knew. And it's the title of the book I'm writing now, Living from the Heavenly Realm. See, loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, 
all your strength equals to loving God your King who receives your love. Every bit of love you give him is received. And he gives you his love. Giving you his authority to take command over every obstacle you ever need to face in life. Enabling you to rise up in him in such victory, such triumph, that you find yourself handling life from his kingdom, his realm, until you find yourself not only living from his love, but living from his heavenly realm as well, while you are still alive on planet Earth. And love is the greatest word of the universe. It can never be imitated, stolen, or touched. It is greater than all that creation can ever know. For God is love. And God has created man, you and me, with such destiny. The ability to enter into God's love. A love that will never ever be rejected. But always received by the living God. A love that has no end, but to be realized more and more through all eternity. You and I have such destiny. A future beyond our every dream. And this is no fairy tale, it's reality. Let us give ourselves to God in love. Let us grow in him in love. Until we become so filled with his love that it enables us to live naturally from his love and to live naturally from the heavenly realm as well. This is how we're supposed to live. That's how the, the disciples lived. That is what is behind the miracles that the disciples and the apostles saw daily in the book of Acts. We're still living in the book of Acts. We should be seeing the same miracles that the disciples saw in the book of Acts. Somehow, we've missed it. I've been a Christian for years. I've read the Bible often, but somehow didn't grasp what is really there. Living from the heavenly realm, through loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all my, our mind, all our strength. I never even knew what those words meant, really. Now, we are in a time where we actually know we are in the end times. The whole of history, mankind's history, is in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, where Jesus is coming back very soon. 
as the world is getting darker and darker around us and at a very accelerating rate, it's not funny. It's scary in a way. And there's a great fall away in the churches. We see that worldwide. It's all in prophecy, Bible prophecy, every bit of it. Now, John the Baptist prepared the way for the first coming. But God is calling forth his forerunners now in his church to rise up to a new level of walking in him, where the world outside will see that God has sent Jesus through our lives. And I believe he is calling forth you, his forerunners, to help prepare the way for the greatest event the world has ever seen. And that will be the second coming of Christ, where you will see the victory in Jesus in every way. Because Jesus it has one on the cross over every problem of sin, sickness, and death. And yes, we all have trials to face, but those trials are doing such a good thing in our lives because it's forming us in character for eternity. We learn through our afflictions strength of character as we trust more and more in Jesus, as we love him more and more and live more and more out of his heavenly realm. Now, I'd like to ask you, how many of you want to live out of God's love and heavenly realm? Just raise your hands. I think it's the entire church. I'd like you to do something. Would you come and make a commitment to God for him to do that in your life? Would you like to come forward and kneel with me? Doing something concretes it, it makes it real. I think it's all right to kneel up on the altar. There's loads of space. I think there's room for everyone. Just spread round. Lord, we come to you. Thank you for what you've done on the cross. Thank you for giving us a second chance.
Thank you, Lord, for all that you have for us. Lord, we want to learn to love you with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Lord, we yield to you our hearts. We yield to you our souls. We yield to you our minds. We even yield to you our strength. Only you can change us. Only you can receive our love. Only you can pour your love in and through us to the world around us. Only you can enable us to live from the heavenly realm. We thank you, Lord, that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts higher than our thoughts. Teach us to trust in you totally and completely because therein lies the victory. The victory of truly living as we should for you. Living like the disciples lived. Living like the great men of God lived through the ages. Oh Lord, change our lives to your victory into your truth into your glorious righteousness and into your eternal realm where we will live in you for all eternity we give ourselves to you let this be a beginning of a new revival this town, through our lives, in this church, we ask you this, in Jesus' name, just let's worship him in tongues. Holy Spirit is just coming down now. Just receive Him. Just receive everything the Lord wants for you. Oh, Lamashia. Just receive. He's setting people free. Those with bondages, He wants to set you free as well. Rejections, hurts, fears, abuses, unforgivenesses, all these things that hinder your life living out of his 
realm, the heavenly realm. Take Jesus by the hand now. Take him down the tunnel of your life. Along the tunnel of your life, going back into your childhood, maybe even into your mother's womb, you'll see some posters down the side of this tunnel. The tunnels, when that hurt came in, that problem came in, that heartache came in. Show him that poster. Let Jesus tear that poster up, tearing the sting forever out of your heart. And then I want you to receive his beautiful, glorious, loving arms embrace you with his healing touch. For some of you, it's only one problem. For some, maybe quite a few. Continue to take the Lord down to the other posters where other hurts, problems came in. Let him tear up that poster as well and then embrace you again with his great love. If you need to forgive someone and you don't know how to forgive, just say, Lord, I choose to forgive that person or those persons. I choose to forgive them in Jesus' name will then become reality. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone who's just received his love, a touch of his love, he's pouring out his love right now. He loves you so much. love transcends all things. You are valuable in God's sight. You are his beloved child. He has an amazing future ahead of you. You will rejoice in him with exceeding joy. Receive his love. Pour out your love for him. Tell you, move in unity with him. And he with you. In oneness of love. You and him. him give you a passion, a love for this hurting world around you, to be alert for his divine appointments that he's going to have ahead for you, the right word at the right time, boldness where it's needed. To press through any sacrifice or inconvenience that you may need 
in order to see his victory. And rejoicing the other side. sick, just lay your hand on that sickness or your pain now. Jesus is here. Just say, Lord Jesus, lay your spiritual hand on my hand and I will be healed in Jesus' name. Receive your healing now in Jesus' name. It's Jesus who heals. No man can heal you. Jesus can. He wants to heal you because he loves you. different things all at the same time. It's as if it's only you and him in this room. He's doing that with each of you. kingdom of heaven where we can live from. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure that was hidden in the field. The pearl of great price. He gave so many parables on the kingdom of heaven. Thank you Lord that in you we find it you brought the kingdom of heaven down on earth when you came. We thank you, Lord, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand for every one of us. Teach us how to live. From the heavenly realm we ask. In Jesus' name.
teach us how to live from your love in the way we should. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank him. Just praise and thank him. 